Bobby, what's wrong with the car? Uh-oh, I think it's broke. Look, that thing there is all swoped up. We, we got a pair of pliers and a screwdriver. We can find out. I think we should just start poking stuff. Oh, all right. All right. don't do that, folks. Tune into the Grease Gurus. Don't go to the emergency room. Go to the Grease Gurus and learn why your car might have stopped on the side of the road and what not to touch. On Saturday mornings <laughs> from 10 a.m. on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Ouch, that Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage, sport, and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsport, 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, Call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, AM 1340. You just said the magic word. Bambake? Yeah. Elvis cooking up a storm of entertainment in Clambake. Elvis throws the wildest beach party since they invented the bikini and the beat. You know something, Paul? I would have traded everything you've ever given me for one thing. For trusting me. I always trusted you. Just trying to make things easy is all. That's just it, Paul. I don't want things easy. I want to be able to make my own mistakes and work them out. He had confidence, a little thing called confidence. There's no job to immense when you've got confidence. I hope you know how to take care of yourself. I call karate. Oh, shut up. Elvis go-goes on water. Goes wild with bikes. Things in life are free. Who needs money? Not me. Get a rhythm going nice. Go goes with beachniks and bikinis. The Orange Bowl regatta has a purse of ten thousand dollars. You win it, we'll split it 50-50. It's Elvis. Barreling and belting out that wild Presley beat. It's a bikini bake. It's a song bake. It's a fun bake. It's Elvis in Clam Bake.
out there. Peabody and Sherman here. Set the Wayback Machine. We enter the Wayback, and we're immediately hurtled back through time and space. Hey, this is Tammy Edelbrock, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google Tantalk, 1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past shows, don't forget to go to the archive page, where you can see all 415 shows now. Good evening, Vaughn. How you doing? Good. How you gentlemen doing tonight? Pretty good. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to continue with the Legends of the Summer guest series. We actually have a very special guest sitting in the studio here with us today and talking about legends. This gentleman's a local legend. He's a uh, former racer, a boat racer, a car racer, an engine builder, and a motivational speaker, I might add. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening my old buddy who was actually on this show in the summer, July of 2010. He was actually my first official guest. I'm delighted to welcome back to Nostalgic Radio on Cars, Gary King. How you doing, Gary? Hey, Robert. It's great to be here. <laughs> I tell you, I love this. And I, I grew up in the Beach Boys era. I even wore a Beach Boys shirt tonight. Yeah, you know? you're looking really good. Yeah, yeah. Now, I played the little clip from uh, the Elvis Presley movie, Clambake, which was actually allegedly, supposedly, filmed in Florida. But there's a reason for that, because the movie was about the drag boats or the SK boats. Right. And he referenced in there, and unfortunately I was trying to find the clip, but about the Orange Bowl regatta. Yeah, yeah. And you used to race down there. I, so tell us a little bit about your racing background, and boat racing specifically. I started boat racing in uh, 19, 1969. It's kind of an oddball kind of story. I... I worked in a gas station as a mechanic. I didn't know a whole lot about boats, and I had a drag race car on a trailer in front of the gas station, and I'd pump gas at night just to make a few extra bucks. Well, a green Cadillac pulls in, and a young guy gets out of it, and he's, is that your drag race car? Yeah. What's it got in it? 289 Ford. Uh, he says, I have a race boat with a Ford Hemi in it. He goes, I just bought a marina down at Passa Grill. Come by sometime and look at it. That was the start of my whole entire shift into race boats. I go down to the marina. I look at the boat. He goes, you know anything about these engines? I was faking it. I go, yeah, what do you need? He goes, I need a valve job. Well, from there, Robert, what happens is, and what's kind of odd about this and serendipitous, the year before, a friend of mine who was a commercial fisherman and lived right at what is now Sea Critters, the restaurant, that used to be the Jilkses' home. And they had a cake party during this real famous race around Vina Del Mar, boat race. Well, he invites me. I go down. I sit on this pier, and I'm watching a 100 boats go by. And it's like watching a tennis match. I just got like in an elevator trance watching these guys go by. And I went, is this cool or what? I would love to do this. I'd never had any part of boats. One year from that event, one year from watching that, I was in the owner of the marina, David Stoller. I was in his 16-foot Donzi that I built an engine for, and I was in that race. 
going by the dock, looking at it, going, is this weird or what? A year ago, I was, I was sitting on that dock. Now, fast forward. Four years go by. I had a state-of-the-art Ron Jones tunnel boat with a stern drive on it. I went underneath the Vina Del Mar Bridge in 1972 at 135 miles an hour, and I lapped the whole field in four laps around Vina Del Mar. There's a big picture hanging on the wall in Sea Critters of me going under the bridge at 135. Now, for our listeners, Vina Del Mar is where exactly? That's like Passagrill. Right? Pa- Passagrill. It's a little tiny island. It's, it's at the traffic light at 19th. Um, right on the corner is Sea Critters, which used to be my friend's house. They turned it into a restaurant. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's a, it's a little island that's right on the intercoastal waterway. And for, for I don't know, 40 years, they had a three-hour race around that island, a three-hour marathon race around the island. They mm. don't do it anymore because of Coast Guard regulations. Everything got too tough. The Orange Bowl regatta in Miami. Yeah, tell us about that. I have a big picture on my office wall, 1972 Orange Bowl regatta. I had a boat. It didn't belong to me. I was driving a boat that was owned by David Stoller. It was a Le Mans start. 40 boats backed into the beach. Flag would drop. A Le Mans start Le Mans with start. boats? Yeah, for 40 boat Le Mans start. So you drew for positions on the beach. Well, I drew a position right in the middle of the 40 boat. I drew like 19 or 21 or something. So I asked the referee, I said, by choice, can I take spot number 40? Yeah, absolutely. You want to be at the very end? Go ahead. So this photo is taken of the boats starting and people trying to get started and get up on a plane. And here I am on the outside. I beat everybody to the first turn. Half the boats weren't even... I was up on plane and gone, and they were still on the beach. No kidding. Yeah. So literally you you you, you ran to your boat like a Le Mans star, like in racing? No, no they called it a, a boat Le Mans star. Oh, okay. You were sitting in the boat, okay. but there was somebody holding it. Okay, I got it. Okay. okay. And you were at the very end. I was. I chose 40, and because m- the boat I had started right up, I was like gone. Now, was, Dave, I knew Dave, yeah. and he had stolen his Marine, and yeah. he was big in the Boss 429 Hemi Motors. That's right. So when you met him and when you raced, did you race one of his Boss 429 boats, yeah, power I, boats? I, what happened was um, we had some pleasure boats, some Howard pleasure boats, and um, I took the, the stock engine out of a pleasure boat and put one of the Hemis in the pleasure boat, and that's what I was driving. He had his boat, and I was driving a, a, a stock Stock hull with a Hemi in it. Okay, now describe these boats. Now, I, I, I'm familiar with the term SK, K. I know what a drag boat is. Yeah. So what type of boats and what kind of racing was this? Well, back then, it was called Grand National, GN. Okay. It was boat racing sequel to NASCAR because the races typically were 250 miles. You had to fuel. You had to change drivers. Really? Uh, yeah. That's how it started. It was kind of, and it was at the level of NASCAR. There was, I mean, I remember going to a, a cocktail party and um, they had real famous singers there. It was just like NASCAR mm-hmm. way back then. Grand National boats, I had the smallest one. They were typically 20 feet long. They were semi-V, 12-degree V. Um, they had 100-gallon fuel tanks built into them or 120-gallon fuel tanks. Mine, I was crazy, so I had an 18. I had an 18-foot <laughs> 
Um, but back then, I mean, Rocky Aoki was in that race that I was in, and the Miami, the Miami Marine Stadium was a big deal back then. I mean, Miami Marine Stadium was sold out. Mm. Dick Grippen was the announcer. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Miami Marine Stadium was built for the unlimited hydroplanes. Okay. And that was like back in the 50s, right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I understand that they're restoring the thing. Well, that'd be interesting. Um, it was funny. I was watching, um, I was watching uh, a Chevy Chase movie um, that part of it was filmed at Miami Marine Stadium. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, I was just watching it a couple nights ago. All right, so take us through the process now a little bit on boats. Now, you went to tunnel halls after that. With the tunnel halls, were you running V8s or were you running outboards? No, I, I never ran outboards. I was, I, was the, I was the competition for the outboards. No, what I did way back when, way before tunnel boats appeared in offshore racing, um, I contacted Ron Jones. There was only one other one in the world. Bob Norskog owned it. Um, it was a seven-liter hydroplane that Ron Jones put a transom in it and put a Mercruiser stern drive on it. Well, I had the same thing built, and the, I, I had the second one. And they were unbelievably fast because they were 11 feet wide. Um, I had a relatively stock 454 in it, and it wasn't a really radical race engine. And the boat was a 135, 140-mile-an-hour boat in 1972, way before you ever saw a uh, tunnel haul in offshore. Way, 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 many years before. Now, how long was the tunnel hall? They're usually about 18 to 20 feet long, too, right? Mine was, um, my Jones was 24. Oh, 24? 24 feet long. Okay. 11 feet wide. You had to tow it on a uh, sideways on a trailer. Oh, you did? Yeah, it okay. was too wide to tow okay. on the street. Yeah. Okay, all right, so we're talking tunnel hall. So this is not like your typical hydroplane. This is like a big hydroplane. Before yeah. the days of Miss Budweiser when they got 30-plus, yeah. 40 feet long or whatever yeah, those things. Yeah, Ron, Ron Jones basically took the standard kind of 7-liter hull and rather than putting a straight shaft in it, put a transom in it so you could put a stern drive on it. Okay, so then it had a regular outdrive then? Yeah, it had a, like I had a, a Mercruiser outdrive. And the problem was back then they didn't have any... They didn't have any real sophisticated drive, so I used a rather stock number two drive, and I led the field around Vina Del Mar. I ran four or five laps, and it snapped the prop shaft right off. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> so I, the day before there was another race, I won that one. That one was around that – one, that one left Stowaway Cove Marina when it was there. It went down into Gulfport, all the way around Gulfport Basin, all the way up the ICW, underneath Corey Bridge, underneath TI Bridge, and then circled around the island up at um, John's Pass. That was one lap. Oh, that was, that was, that one was lap. the day before. Oh, yeah. no kidding. Mm -hmm. Now, what about Lake McGorry? Did they race those boats at Lake McGorry, too? No? Not not the Jones, no. But no. the other boat you had, you did? The, yeah, the, I, I raced. I actually set a world record at Lake McGorry back in, in 1971 or something. Uh -huh. Long time. With my flat bottom with a... Um, 496 Chevrolet in it, Stroker 496 Chevrolet. Okay. Let's talk a little about boats for a second while we're on the subject. Now, when a friend of mine lives out in Arizona, and uh, he's a car guy. This was about three or four years ago. I was hanging out at his shop, and he goes, hey, Robert, let me show you what I just picked up. So he takes me out back, and there's this old flat bottom, kind of like an SK-looking kind of boat sitting on a trail back over there. So 
when I walked over to look at it, it's Ford power. You know me, I'm a diehard Ford guy. So I, and I knew right away it was a 27, didn't have cross bowls, but I'm guessing 406, 410, 390, something like that, right? But what was really cool is it had all this really cool aluminum billets, Edelbrock, Offenhauser, yeah. whoever else made really cool aluminum accessories. Everything on that boat was aluminum. It had a really cool, what's the... the Cavitation plate. The cavitation plate with the little turnbuckles yeah, on it. Turnbuckles. it a really trick piece. Well, we couldn't figure out what kind of boat it was. Well, somehow we started looking online and we compared it. Now, we think it may have been an old racing craft. Remember yeah, those? Yeah. And of course, you know, there was like Hondos, there was uh, Howard, Howard, there was Stevens, yeah. Norsgaard, I think. Did he build short flat bottom boats? N- not that I know of. There was no. Mandela. Mandela, okay. Uh, um, California, I think. Didn't they build one? What else was from back then? Stevens, Mandela, Howard, Racing Craft. Those are the big ones, though, right? Yeah. Those are the main. Yeah. Okay, did you ever have any experience with any of those kind of boats? I mean, I knew, you had a, your shop down there was King Marine. Right. And you were basically, is that Gulfport kind of where you It at? is now. I was in St. Pete for 35 years, and then I sold all my property to the school board. Now it's a school bus depot. Okay. I moved one block down the street into a big World War II um, airplane hangar as part of it. Big really? two-and-a-half-story tall airplane hangar. And then I have a warehouse built on the back of it as well. Now, how did they get an aircraft hangar down there in St. Pete? There's four of them. There's one on 1st Avenue South. There's one on 5th Avenue South. There's one on Seminole Boulevard and the one I have. They sold them off at the end of World War II. Well, now, wait a minute. So was that whole area like a base or something like that? No, no. They sold them off, and people bought them and and constructed them as warehouses. Oh, I see. So they just relocated them. I got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They're really cool buildings because they're hurricane-proof. Okay. Well, since this, the series that we're doing right now is Legends of the Summer, so what I want you to do is share with our listeners, what was it like in the 50s and 60s in Pinellas County, St. Pete? Like when you ran around back in those days, you know, drag racing, street racing, boat racing, all kinds of stuff. What was it like? Tell us about that. Come so, some stories. So I had a, a factory high-performance car I bought from Walker Ford when Walker Ford was actually on Treasure Island. And the very... F- popular bar and restaurant on Treasure Island is called Ricky T's. Okay. Well, the Ricky T's building was the original sales office for Walker Ford. It's the same building. I never knew and that. And it is a Quonset hut. It's a round building. If you look inside, it's got a facade around it, but it's a round building just like I have. It's a World War II, smaller version of what I have. Okay. So you have a Quonset hut then. Yeah, I have a Quonset Those hut. Those are cool. Okay, yeah. go ahead. So I bought a 1963 and a half. Ford 406, four-speed, tri-power, and it happened to be a convertible. Oh, nice. It, back in 63 and 4, it was extremely fast as a streetcar in, in town. Uh-huh. And so that was the era of drive-ins and cruising the drive-ins on Friday night. So one night, I get a knock on my window. I live at home with my parents. I get a knock on the window at 1 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, hey, a guy wants to race you. He's hanging out in the breezeway waiting for you. <laughs> so I go down there and... I go down there, but he doesn't have his car. He goes, follow me to my house. Okay. He lived on 62nd Avenue North in a big white wooden house with a big barn behind it. He opens up the doors, and he rolls out a red 55 Chevrolet with a 409 in it. This is in 1960, the beginning of 64. This was before the interstate was built, but Howard Franklin Bridge was there. Oh, wow. Okay. So he goes, we'll head for the bridge, and we'll race on the bridge from rolling start. 
This is the old Howard Franklin Bridge. Yeah. Okay. So we race on the bridge, headed to Tampa. And so we go across the bridge. He's ahead of me till because the Ford had real strong top end, and so I passed, and we pulled into an American, all-night American station on Kennedy Boulevard right off the exit. We pull in there. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning, and we're talking, and he he's egging me on to uh, to light up the tires when I leave. Okay. So there's no cars. There's nobody around. So I leave the station, and I light them up through first and second. Now I'm at the overpass, so I'm slowing down. There's smoke everywhere. I look through the smoke. The lights are flashing. Oh, he set you up. But wait till I tell you who it was. This is so, <laughs> this is so great because he's a great friend of mine. He's a great guy. His, his son is great. I, I see them all the time. It was Everett Rice. Everett Rice. <laughs> it was Everett Rice, the ex-sheriff. That's, oh, no, who, okay. that's who I raced, yeah. And then, of course, the classic, and I told this story. Uh, my best friend just just uh, passed away recently, Johnny Green, an amazing guy. He was in the music industry and putting on concerts and stuff, and his celebration of life was at Mahaffey Theater Tuesday night. There was about 1,500 people there. It was amazing. And I, I was the only person that was allowed to speak and tell some stories. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, Johnny and I were racing Ernie Martin, um, back in 64, Ernie Martin had one of the only 409, he had a gold 409 Biscayne or something. So we're racing going north on US 19, and uh, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'm over 130 miles an hour. And I look in the mirror, and the blue lights are flashing, because back then there was a local highway patrol car with a 413 with with um, cross ram dual fours on a highway patrol. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew the guy Va- Vandador. That was his name. I can't Vandador. Joe Vandador. I can't even believe I remember his name from the sixties. Yeah, he had that. He had that um, that patrol car with that engine in it. He's he's behind me, and I'm going. Oh man, I don't need another ticket. So I tell Johnny, I go look. I pull over. He's right behind me with the lights on, and Ernie goes flying by because he was behind us. I go, Johnny, take the ticket for me. I I can't get another ticket. He jumps out of the passenger door, runs around behind the car, in between my car and the highway patrol car to get in the driver's seat. Obviously. I'm like, (laughs) what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, there was a half a dozen really, really fast streetcars back then. There was a guy named, he was a professional golfer. Um, he had a Corvette with a 427 side oil or Ford in it. A Corvette with a, that's my kind of guy right there. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And then there was the, the baseball player. I raced him in Clearwater right on 60 way back then um i can't even think of his name right now he's a professional ball player uh, with a silver corvette oh yeah it was i mean it was the it was the fawns it was you know happy days it was it was craziness on the street i mean racing down central avenue racing i'm out of pass a grill one day that's when i had a, a a real race car not a street car and johnny's egging me on he goes Hey, it's Sunday afternoon. The beach is packed. Let's go get the race car and do a pass down Eighth Avenue. I mean, Eighth. It's actually it's Eighth. They called it Eighth Street. It's Eighth Avenue, right in the heart of the beach. I go. This get is the, down a pass a grill. Yeah, now? down a pass a grill. <laughs> okay. I go get the car, unhook it off the tow bar, and we make a pass on Sunday afternoon, right down Eighth Street. Like, 
this is insanity. But that's <laughs> the kind of stuff you did. Yeah. What kind of car was it? Was that the 55 Falcon? Fifty-five Ford. Oh, it was no, fifty-five. It was a fifty-five Ford. 54? I built the Falcon. Did I build the Falcon before that or after that? I don't even remember. I've had so many cars. I wish I had. Phew. I remember walking into the showroom of Grant Ford when it was on the corner of Fifth Avenue South and Ninth Street. It was in 19, beginning of 64. I walked in the showroom. There was a silver 64 fastback 427 dual four Ford four speed. The sticker price was 2534. This is the Galaxy fastback. Galaxy. Next to it was a 64 Ford. Fairlane Thunderbolt with the bubble hood. T-bolt. T-bolt yeah. with a 427 in it. And I think that thing was like 2250 or something. Hey. I, I pulled into, not too long ago, I pulled into Sonny's Barbecue in Pinellas Park. And I'm going, are you kidding me? There's a 64 Ford T-bolt bubble hood slicks parked in Sonny's Barbecue. Side oiler 427. A white, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it parks in front of Tubby's. I see it in front of Tubby's on 49th okay. Street. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I talked to the owner. Great. Okay, so, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, wind up something on the uh, the old uh, record player. This is also a throwback to the first time you were on the show. See if you remember this one. All right. And, uh, and then we'll do a little short commercial break, and we'll be right back. Hey, you're tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back with my guest, my special buddy, Gary King, King Marine, St. Pete.
listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. This is Ed Pink, legendary engine builder. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and uh, I'm here with my good friend Gary King. We're just kind of talking a little bit uh, off camera here, off camera, off radio. And uh, I was telling him about a friend of ours that we, a mutual friend, his name was Jack Bruce. And Jack had a, uh, I'm going to say it's probably 18 to 20 foot, probably maybe Howard or Stevens was kind of a flat bottom boat, V drive. And uh, he picked me up one time at the Bel Air Causeway. And we went, and he was heading north, and he headed into a headwind. Now, I don't scare easy, and I'm not afraid of speed, but I've seen all those movies where these boats just go, and just take off, turn into a kite. And and I am just working my way to where my feet can almost touch the bow of the boat. I'm underneath the, the, the deck there, and I'm nervous. And I go, back off, back off. And Jack goes, he's got that grin on his face, and he's just like, man, you're scared, aren't you? I said, yeah, I am. And he says, and he starts throttling it down, and it's going, I have no idea how fast we're going. All I know, we were trying walking really, really bad. Now, you told me you did a similar story. Yeah, I did the, I did the same thing with way back when. Um, the mayor of St. Pete Beach um, uh, it was Urshus, and his son was a really good friend of mine, Rusty. And he was always, hey, I want to ride in your flat bottom. So one day I took it out to my race boat. It wasn't a pleasure boat. I took it out to pass a grill, and he gets in it, and it's only got like 15 inches of freeboard. You know, it's, it's pretty shallow and 800 horsepower, and it would top out at about 130 um, maybe a little more than that, depending on the water conditions. So he gets in the, it, it had a second seat in it and he gets in the seat and I get going 80 and I look over at him and he's, he's freaking out at 80. He's holding on to a brace from the V drive and got his arm up under the side of the boat and he's hanging on to dear life. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, this guy's going to really lose it because at 80 miles an hour, the thing's not even making horsepower. I mean, it doesn't make horsepower till over 100 miles an hour. <laughs> so I hit it hard and took it from 80 to like 125. I looked over at him, and he had sucked himself down all the way till his head was in the seat. <laughs> his whole body was underneath the deck. And I went, yeah, I better slow down. I don't want to have to call. I don't want to have to pull into the beach to an ambulance. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Well, now, at what point when you're driving those boats do you really have to – I mean, like – and I'm sure you watch modern-day boat racing, you know, where sure. the guys are hanging on the string and they're just taking off. It's just they accelerate incredibly fast. Here, here's the thing about flat bottoms. My boat was a Howard. It was a concave bottom. So it wasn't a flat bottom. It was concave. So it tra- so that, trapped air. Okay, so that's right? like towards the – Towards the stern, it gets it concaves a little bit there. Yeah, the, yeah from from two thirds of the way forward. Okay. Well, the interesting thing, I mean, back in the day before I knew anything about this stuff, and Duff Daly, who was very well known in boat racing forever, um, his father as well. He was out of Miami, and he had his race boat up at Stollers. Well, I had never been in anything like that before. He's testing it for for Lake McGorry for the Southland. So he goes, you want to ride around Vina Del Mar once? And I go, sure. So I get in the other seat. And <laughs> he's going down the outside of Vina Del Mar on the, on the intercoastal side. And he's headed toward the bridge. And he's going over 100. And I'm just sitting there going, hanging on for dear life, going, okay, what is, is he going to go through the bridge? Because he told me he was going around the island. He can't possibly turn this boat at this speed. Because the distance from the bridge to the island is—it's not very wide. It's less than a hundred yards wide. He got to the bridge, and he hung on the steering wheel like driving a formula car. He pulled it hard to the left, and the bow went down, and the boat hooked hooked around like it was on some kind of rail. And of course, after that, when I built my own, the whole trick to that is the cavitation plate. And the, and the turning fin, it has a turning fin right below the driver that's 10 or 12 inches deep. And so you set the boat, you bring the bow down and you set it. Well, when you turn it, it's pivoting on the fin. So uh-huh. it's, it's like it's glued to the water. But it'll scare the heck out of you if, you're, if you don't know anything about that stuff. And you, like I did, I'm going, this thing's going to flip over. Well, then the cavitation plate thing, the, a lot of them are foot-controlled. Mine was hand-controlled. Between my legs was the handle. And it only moves a quarter of an inch. That's it? That's it. At most, at most um, three-eighths of an inch. That's it. And three-eighths of an inch is the difference between, on my boat, it was the difference between the bow, the tip of the bow being six feet out of the water and the tip of the bow being flat on the water. That's how much difference it makes at 100 miles an hour or more moving that plate that little bit. You know, it's interesting. When I watch some of the films and you see these guys and they're racing, and that's exactly what I've noticed. Some of these guys are kind of porpoising out of the water. You know, they let yeah. the bows out. And then and then other boats, they're like flat, right, like they're sucked right down on the top of the water, and they blow right past everybody. So is that basically all about trimming the boat, right? Yeah, I mean, that would be the equivalent of like a NASCAR car with air effects, mm-hmm. you know, effects. Having, having spoilers and things, air effects to hold the – to hold the car down, well, the the cavitation plate is doing the same thing. I mean, the major difference. I went to um, I went to Bondurant School in Phoenix years ago. Oh, really? And, yeah, I I raced against. Get this, I raced against. This is when I worked for Diamond P Sports, and um, they set me up to go to this school to race against Ed McCulloch, and um, the top fuel driver from back then. Um, the three of us raced on the Bondurant track and what I was telling him is yeah the major difference between car racing and boat racing is every lap at Daytona is the same 
with the exception of an oil down or a water down. Okay. Every lap's the same. Track never changes. Every lap in the Miami Marine Stadium is completely different. Because of wakes and water. You, you have to read the water. It's not like on a, on a race car track because you know what the turns are. You know where the apex is. You know all that stuff. And the only thing that's going to change it if somebody loses an engine and oils the track. Well, you get on a two-and-a-half-mile course in the Miami Marine Stadium, and depending on who's in front of you and the wake that they leave, you have to read. You can never take your concentration off the water. And I'll tell you what happened to me, and I, I remember when I stopped racing – I was leading a race in Lake Megory, and I started thinking there were 30 boats behind me. And I went, if I turn this boat over, I'm going to get run over by all those boats, and it'll be like... And I went, I went, I can't do this again. Because never in the 16 years that I did it, I never thought about turning the boat over. Never. Never. I only thought about winning. That's all I ever thought about. And when I started thinking like that, I went, i got to put this boat on the trailer and not do this again. Because if I do it again, I'm going to cause the very thing I'm thinking about. Interesting. That's when I stopped, and I never did it again. How long did you race boats for how many years? 16 years. 16, how all many, over the U.S. Really? How many years did you race cars? Um, oh, let's see. Uh, cars, Ooh. motorcycles, at least 16 years. Okay. Yeah. So when you used to travel around the country in your mm-hmm. boat, where mm-hmm. all did you go? Oh, I raced in, um, oh my, I, I was one of the first ones in the U.S. to wear, I think I was the first one to wear a parachute on my life jacket. On your life jacket? Yeah, they came out with these parachutes. It was, it was mounted right back on the top. On the top of your back, there was a parachute pack sewed to the life jacket and then it had a um the rip cord you hooked to the engine in the boat and the whole idea was if you got thrown out of the boat the chute would open and you'd you go up. you'd go in the water feet first instead of head first uh. well i was the first one to wear one i'm running at the the national championships in in uh, san diego in mission bay i'm running i don't know i might have been first or second all of a sudden there was an explosion and I was knocked out. Well, I thought the engine blew up and hit me because it's right behind me. Well, what happened was the parachute inadvertently opened when I'm going down the back straightaway. The parachute opened up, and it pulled me back in the seat and knocked me out. And then the rip cord that goes to the magneto to shut it off shut the boat off. Well, then I, I fell into the bottom, and I had aircraft goggles on. And I'm looking through the aircraft goggles, and I go, oh, my God, I've lost an arm or leg. There was all this red stuff in the water floating in the bottom of the boat. And I went, oh, I think I'm in serious trouble. <laughs> I pulled the goggles off, and I look at the stuff, and it's this red, mushy stuff. Well, it was the parachute was all ground up in the prop shaft. It was all the shroud lines. They were orange, and they ground all up. And it looked like, yeah, it looked like me, me ground up. <laughs> So, no, I I raced there, Lake Havasu, um, Clear Lake in Texas, um, you know, all over the place. Galveston. What was, now, in the movie, they were making a reference to, if you win at the Miami Orange Bowl regatta, there was $10,000 purse. So what was, was there, were the purses pretty big back in the day? Oh, yeah. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. We are welcoming you to the Marine Stadium in beautiful Miami, Florida, where we 
We are waiting to see the American Powerboat Association's running of one of the country's great races. The Governor's Trophy and $10,000 go to the winner of the big one, the Orange Bowl Regatta. All the boats are now in the water. That means it won't be long now. You guys <laughs> Well, we, you know, that's where everybody was. And, of course, I won, they, you had to qualify. I won the qualifying heat. And back then, they did the same. I don't know that they do this in NASCAR anymore, but they used to. Every lap you led, you got paid a certain amount of money. Well, that's the way it was in Grand National Boat Racing. They did the same thing. Every lap that you led, you got $100 per lap or something like mm-hmm. that. But I won the qualifying heat. Back then, the Miami Marine Stadium, it'd be like playing in the Super Bowl. I mean, that's... That was it? That was the Mac Daddy? That was the profile of it all. It's like, wow, you're running the Orange Bowl Regatta. You're you're playing in the Super Bowl. Okay. I mean, the stands were... There was thousands of people in the stands. Um, Oh, yeah. It was like the big deal. Who were some of the guys you raced against back then? Name name some well-known guys. Rocky Aoki... Um, the unlimited driver that unfortunately got killed many years ago, um, he had a Grand National boat. Uh, what was his name? Um, oh, I can't. It slips to me right now. It was, it was so long ago. There were a lot of big names. Oh, I, here's who I was trying to think of. Johnny Cash was the entertainment at the driver's party. Johnny Cash was. Oh, okay. Yeah, so well, that kind of gives yeah, you yeah. an idea of the profile of the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. So um, let's see. Rocky. Um, it was a book called Ready Kilowatt. That was um, uh, that was a family out of out of Tennessee who was an electricity producer. I mean, there was a lot of big names in in the sport that haven't been around in a really long mm-hmm. time. Um, J D Hunt. That was Hunt Trucking that still exists today. Oh no, kidding! Out of Georgia. Yeah, J D Hunt. Uh-huh. He he drove a boat. Rudy Ramos, he was a driver, racing craft. There, oh, yeah, did, yeah? Yeah, he was a driver back then. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that was a father and son team. Is that how the whole racing craft, racing craft came about? Who, uh, Rudy Ramos? Well, Ramis, racing craft? Yeah. Ra- I, I don't recall. You could be right. I don't recall that being father and son, but you could be right. I mean, I knew Rudy, but... I don't know that I knew that part of it. Okay, so these 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 uh, these boats now, like the the Howard, the Stevens, the Racing Craft. Yeah, were they? Some of those boats were fiberglass. Some were wooden deck, fiberglass hulls. I mean, how were those boats built, and what would they weigh, for example? They they were that most not all of them, but a lot of them had mahogany decks. Okay, um, because it added strength to the boat. Okay. Um, they have wooden stringers and everything like that. The yeah, they were glass, they right. were glassed. Um, the boats, for the most part, were all built in California. The wood deck boats were sent to Mexico to have the craftsmen in Mexico do the mahogany work. No kidding. Oh yeah, it was because their their craftsmanship was unbelievable um, with the mahogany decks. Um, the fuel tanks added a lot of strength to the boat because they were 100 to 120 gallons so it added these two big square rectangular you know fiberglass things were made part of the hull so the side of the hull and the bottom of the hull was part of the tank interesting Uh, so it wasn't like there was a tank added it was actually part of the part of the boat itself now a lot of those boats are still used as recreational boats and there's actually a big following just like we collect cars there's collector boats so the stevens the racing craft uh, the hondos the howards and and were they all pretty much like 
Were those top of the line boats back in the day, or were yeah, they, they were the best of the they best. Were the best. I so mean, Racing Craft, Howard, they were the top names. Racing Craft and Howard were the top names way back then in the late '60s and early '70s. Um, Howard Brown, I was, I went to his shop many times. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, it's funny because in that movie with uh, Elvis Presley there and Bill Bixby and and that race, apparently that's a racing craft. Racing craft. Yeah, I think it was. It was. Yeah. It, and, it's, and I don't remember I, if there was a logo on the side of it and there's a scene in the movie where you see it. Yeah, as I remember, I think you're right. Yeah. So, all right, now let's use this boat that I, my friend has out in Arizona. So the boat was over. We know that Lake, it, it, it ran around in Lake Powell for a while, then it was out at Lake Havasu, and I don't know where the boat came from. But if that boat's been sitting for a while and I want to restore that boat, is that economically feasible or tell me a little bit what do i need it, to look for it, it, it all depends is it a whole is it a completely glass boat with a glass deck or does it have a wood deck uh i think it's an all glass boat okay the only thing you really have to look for on them they were built so strong back then just stress cracks really? you know looking for stress cracks stress lines in it um other than that i mean there's lots of those things floating around my gn80 my howard flat bottom Somebody wound up with that boat. They, they said, go on this site. W- what was the number of your boat? I go, GN80. And they go, there's a guy. He's got your boat. It's got GN80 on the side of it. No kidding. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was. I bought that boat. I brought that boat back on a rack that I built on David Stoller's half-ton pickup truck. <laughs> I built a rack on the back of it, and it, I brought it back on the top of the truck. The 18-foot Howard. I, dro- I drove it. I drove the truck out to Howard and brought it back. No kidding. Yeah. Now those boats that uh, Stoller had back in the day. His uh, the now, because I remember walking into his Marine one time because I was ch- chasing the Boss 429 motor. And he had all these Holman Moody crate motors. Oh yeah. And, and but in the back of the Marina back there, there was two boats side by side, That's his right. and hers. That's right. And both had Boss 429s. Yeah. I wound up with. With the boat he called Nancy's boat, she never drove it. I wound up with it. It was, it was orange, and that came to me in a real weird way. Skip Hickman, a really good friend of mine, APBA referee, he he passed away a few years ago. He called me up one day and he said, "I swear I saw Nancy's boat in Tarpon Springs in a driveway for sale." Recently? No, this was years oh. <laughs> ago. So I get in my car and I drive up there, and I see this boat in the driveway. Sure enough, it's Nancy's boat. It's got a big block Chevrolet in it. Guy wants $5,000 for it. I pull in, and I start talking to him, and I, I said, look, I got $2,500 in my pocket. And he goes, listen, I'm in so much trouble with my wife over this boat. The first time I put the boat in the water in Lake Tarpon, <laughs> I had a heart attack, and 911 had to come get me. <laughs> my wife wants this boat out of here. So I give him the $2,500. He hands me the title. I go in my car, and I bring out a photo album and I said uh, you might want to look at this and I said stand back here and look at the deck I said you can see in the wood deck where it says driver Gary King they had sanded it off and cleared over it but you could still see where it no was kidding. there yeah yeah I bought the boat I had it for um I had it for oh 15 years in my shop and Duff Daly called me and goes I got it you still got uh, Nancy's boat and I go yeah is it got a motor in it no he goes I got a guy in Louisiana or Texas who wants it really bad and I sold it to him what kind of boat was it what kind of hull it was a 20 foot Howard race boat oh, was it Howard? Yeah. oh man that yeah, was the mate 
to Dave's boat. Dave's was blue and yellow, and this boat was orange and yellow. Orange hull, yellow band. His boat was blue, yellow band. Because back in the day, they both had Boss 429s in them. That's correct. Wow. Yeah, I rigged them. I rigged both of those boats. From Were scratch. you working for him back then, or yeah. did you just everything? Or you, no. you had your own shop? No, I I worked for him. I built all. I custom built all the hardware for both those boats, in the in Darn. his shop. Yeah, I worked for him from '69 to '72. That's when I opened my own. I started in a one car rental garage on 95th Street, in Bay Pines. Oh no, kidding! 95th Street, forty five dollars a month. Wow. Yeah. Well, this buddy of mine wants me to buy this racing craft, you know. So if I can put a deal together on this thing, I have to go out to Arizona and get it. But uh, that'd be kind of fun to put that thing back together, though. I've still got some ski boat hardware. I'll give it to you. Okay, there you go. Yeah, because <laughs> would, would just be that'd be kind of just a cool recreational boat, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, and I have no shortage of um, warehouse full of engines. Oh, there you go. That's right. Yeah. You do. <laughs> anyway. So what other kind of mischief did you get into back in the 60s? I mean, were you, did you hang out at the beach much? Did you surf much? Or were you just pretty much cars and boats? No, it was in the 60s, like the late 50s through 69, when I met Dave in the gas station, it was all cars. Okay. Um, I had all kind, I had a 37 Plymouth with a Cadillac in it. I had, I had 50, 56 Ford, um... No, oh, I wish I had all those cars back. <laughs> um, no, it was all it was all drag racing at Sunshine Speedway when Garlitz started, uh-huh. and um, and uh, street racing, the drive-ins because the you know there was the barrel, the breezeway, you know chicks, yeah, and the big deal, and then there was drive-in movie theaters. Sounds like St. Petersburg was a lot of fun back in the days. It was a lot of fun back in the days. And day. it wasn't very crowded either, was it? No, it was not crowded at all. Nothing like it is now. Nothing. So you we, you talk a lot about uh, Gulfport and and, and St. Pete, mm. but, but it sounds like Passagro was kind of where everybody was hanging out back in the day, right? Well, we you know that was the that was the weekend place. We were all at Passagro, um, which is the very tip of St. Pete Beach, basically, right? Yeah, it's. Yeah, the tip. It's it's where the hurricane is, uh-huh. um, the restaurant, the hurricane restaurant. You know, back then it was it was a big deal. It was it was the mini Fort Lauderdale of of uh, Pinellas County. Pinellas <laughs> <laughs> County. Yeah. Oh no, that's where everybody was, and of course that was the that was the time of keg parties and you bonfires know, on bonfires the beach. Bonfires on the beach and. And the Don Cesar Hotel was boarded up. It had been boarded up for years and years. Sand had blown up and covered the whole first floor. Really? The Don Cesar? Yeah, it was closed. It used to be a... A lot of people don't know this. It was a VA hospital. Was it really? Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah, it was a VA hospital. Huh. Then it closed down, and it was closed for... I don't know. It was closed for 20 years or something. And then they... You know, they... It was bought by... I forget who bought it, but they refurbed the whole place. Turned it into a hotel. Yeah. So it was a hospital first, and then it became the hotel. Yeah, it was a hotel first. Oh, was it? Okay. Back, I think it was built in, there's pictures in there of Model T Fords. So turn of the century. Out. So, yeah, turn of the century. And then at some point, I, I think at the end of World War II or something, they turned it into, the hospital went defunct, and they turned it into a VA hospital. Okay. And then it became a hotel again. 
Then it became a hotel again. A lot of history in uh, Pinellas County. Well, Gary, I want to thank you all. <laughs> hey, believe, believe me, Robert, this was my pleasure for sure. I truly enjoyed it. We'll have to do this again sometime. And uh, But anyway, so if people want to get a hold of you, is King Marine still in doing their thing? Or? I, I'm my, I still have the building. I'm a one-man show. I um, I build transmissions and custom engines and. You want to give out your number? Yeah, absolutely. Seven two seven six nine two nine nine zero nine, and you can find me all over the internet. I'm on Facebook. I post inspirational. St- I do not post selfies of me eating cheeseburgers, um, <laughs> but I do post every day inspirational stuff. Okay, cool. Well, anyway, hey, uh, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night here on the Tan Talk Radio Network, you can hear us talking about fascinating and legendary names in motorsports and some local legends, okay? And don't forget to tell your friends. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook. And I think we do some Twitter stuff from time to time. A lot of car show stuff coming on. Don't forget to check out flacarshows.com. You can find out about all the local car shows taking place in the state of Florida. You guys, don't forget... Drive carefully, stay safe, love your family, and we'll see you at some of the car shows. We chased our pleasures here, dug our treasures there. We can't still recall the time we cried. Break on through to the other side. Break on through to the other side. WTCF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen. Hey.